0: This is Symposium.
1: After I finished the book, I wanted to know exactly what the truth behind that was. Krishna opens his mouth, and she looks in his mouth, and she sees the whole universe.
0: If you go back and watch Friends, they never talk about politics. And it's not a big surprise, but it's kind of like, really? Like, it never came up? He had to re-evaluate his whole student senate, and they, he straight up told him, we need to reevaluate ourselves and check ourselves. Which is fascinating
1: and wonderful in so many different ways. A lot of people point out that we want to protect controversial speech in this country, because if the speech is not controversial, there's no reason to protect it.
0: Gwyneth Andrzejczyk graduated from EMU last winter with a double major in computer science and Japanese language and a minor in economics. She's had quite a diverse education as far as fields of studies go, and her research found a way to tie in yet another subject, American law. Social media has made it possible for anyone to say anything publicly, anytime. And people say a lot of things, and sometimes those things can be offensive. Sometimes they can be threatening. But social media has made it more difficult to draw the line between speech that's displeasing and speech that's dangerous. Gwyneth analyzed different court cases and literature to find out how do we decide whether something that's said on social media should be allowed or suppressed?
1: Freedom of speech is one of the big things that is impacted by the use of the internet. It's um, different from all of the other media sources that we've had in the past. In the past, it's much more difficult for a single normal citizen to broadcast their thoughts so broadly. It's not like like a normal citizen could just decide that they were going to broadcast a television show um, and the internet allows us to basically go on social media and say something, and whether it becomes viral or not, we can reach a much larger audience. So since that's become one of the biggest ways that we communicate, it seems to me that that will especially have an impact on how we Regulate freedom of speech, especially in this country where that's a part of our constitution and where we've had worries about media being silenced in the last few years. So I had wanted to explore how the internet had evolved and where it seemed to be going and kind of give an idea of whether or not we should be worried that we're being silenced or whether it really is a huge issue evening of our playing field to allow more people to have their say and to present their their feelings in a way that would allow us to have more checks and balances on what people in power are doing.
0: In trying to answer that question, Gwyneth focused on two categories of speech, true threats and speech among minors attending public high schools.
1: So in the case of true threats, we've been evolving towards a precedent both online and off where we worry about whether or not the person who made the threat intended to threaten the person. And there's a lot of reasons that that might be good and that might be bad. For one thing, a lot of people point out that we want to protect controversial speech in this country because if the speech is not controversial, there's no reason to protect it. So the First Amendment is really about protecting those things that might hurt someone's feelings or might make somebody angry. But on the other hand, if you're making threats online, how do we decide when you're harming other people? How do we protect victims? How far do we need to go to ensure that? So there's a lot of discussion of whether we should take a subjective precedent on that or we should take one that is less subjective. Should we care about the intention of the speaker when they made the comments, or should we worry more about the feelings of the target and whether they felt um, offended? And there's a lot of ways you can argue that if we silence the speaker, then we're chilling their speech. But at the same time, if we allow them to speak without consequence, then they may be harming people. With regards to students, the biggest issue is defining that boundary of when we are allowed to punish students in school. So, um uh, That recent case at Ipsy High School where the students had um, made some racial comments, I think it was via Snapchat.
0: The incident she's referring to is actually reported to have occurred within Saline area schools. In late January, school district administrators were informed that a group of high school students had been exchanging racist messages in a Snapchat group.
1: Can the school punish them for that if these statements were made off-campus and outside of school. Generally, the way that we've done this in the past is that we can only punish those things that happen off-campus if they are brought into the school or they have some large impact on the way that the school is run. We've decided that the school can ha- can punish students then if the things that they say begin to affect the classroom, but In the past, say if you flipped your teacher off in the parking lot of like some supermarket and they didn't like it, they can't punish you for that because it hasn't disrupted the school. However, now if you say something rude about the teacher on Facebook after class, theoretically it could affect the school, but we don't have a very good definition of when those things on the internet come into the school. Some have wanted to lean more towards any time it affects the school at all. So if students start joking about it on the campus, maybe then it's a significant disruption. But others say that unless you see gun threats, we shouldn't be worrying about what the students are saying because then it is more in the interest of the parents to regulate what they do online and to teach them because it's the parents' right to teach the students how to behave how they want and not the schools. If you limit what people are saying outside of school, you know, how are you, you're teaching students that they can no longer argue with anything they're saying in the school. And so a lot of people say that the way we should regulate the school is by making sure that the school can continue to teach students to be good Americans when they leave the schools. And so, how can we do that if we limit when they disagree with teachers or disagree with other people, but at the same time, if we allow them to say negative things online without ever being told that maybe that's not how you? are supposed to act in society. It's it's a difficult balancing act, it's really hard to say, but the general consensus seems to be that we're moving towards regulating these on a context and we actually seem to be moving towards freer speech in certain cases because we're having to look at the intention of the speaker in the context in which they speak to try and understand what they meant at that time Especially because what they say could potentially be saved online for years to come.
0: The murky waters of free speech on the internet make it all the more important for its users to be careful. But Gwyneth says that, of course, there will always be users that aren't careful and that computer scientists should be aware of this.
1: Having been on the internet and working in computer science like I do, I think that there are a lot of people who may not understand. What happens when they say things? I think a lot of people don't recognize how long what they put online can be still accessed. They don't understand that it could be saved and years and years later it could come back in some form. And I also don't think that the average person who uses the internet necessarily understands how many people they're affecting and what their words could be construed as. So I think that it was important to me because um among like people who do computer science and things like that we understand internet and security a lot better but the internet is full of people who are all using it without necessarily understanding it so i thought it would be good to look at how that was affected and sort of give give like an idea of what's really going on, maybe to somebody who might not understand it, but also just to try and give an idea to computer scientists about where it's going, because um, if we want to handle it ethically, we have to understand how not only, you know, experts are using it, but the normal people are using it as well. I would want people to take away the idea that we need to both be careful with what we're saying online, but also that we need to continue to fight to make sure that people aren't limiting what different groups are saying just because they don't like the content. I think that there's so much on the internet that so maybe it's easier to bury some of it if it doesn't quite meet our standards. And that's why you have to be more vigilant and have to pay attention to what you're consuming online because there's a lot of different messages out there and some of it can get buried very easily. So if we wanna continue to have an open discourse on the internet, we need to continue to allow everyone to be welcomed into the community.
0: Thank you so much to Gweneth Andrusiak. To read her abstract or learn more about the undergraduate symposium, visit emich.edu forward slash symposium. And that is a wrap on our coverage of Eastern Michigan University's 40th Annual Undergraduate Symposium. I wanna throw out a huge thank you to every student that sat down on a Zoom call with us in the middle of this weird summer to talk over their research with us. It has been so much fun talking to people from different subject areas about things that they're fascinated by and excited about. And I really do hope we can do it again next year. Thank you to every staff member that helped put everything together. Kylie Gilligan, Justice Maddox, Bianca Ramsey, Kayla Trefill, and Lauren Smith. And one last thank you to Amy Beringer. She's the event coordinator of the actual symposium. She's been amazing in putting us in touch with every student and helping promote the show on social media. And we are very grateful for her. So until next year, you can find more stories like this at easternecho.com. And you can reach our podcast section via email at podcast at easternecho.com. This episode of Symposium was produced by myself, Ronika Bunsug, and reported by Justice Maddox. Thanks for listening, and hopefully we will see you next year.